You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. Hidden History is an audio project of Bulletin Technologies, LLC. Head over to www.bulletinflights.com and see for yourself the future of flight. In 1935, the Eastman Kodak Company, which had been responsible for countless other innovations in the world of cameras, debuted arguably one of their most notable creations yet, Integral Tri-Pack Color Film. They called it Kodachrome, a name lifted from an earlier and completely unrelated two-color Kodak photo process. Kodachrome film would be in use in one form or another until its discontinuation some 74 years later. Yet, this isn't an episode on the Eastman Kodak Company. I've already written one of those, and there's a reason that you've never heard it. No, this is an episode on the way that Kodak gauged color, and how it caused big problems in its photographs. You're listening to Hidden History. This is Episode 9. Don't call me Shirley. Kodakolor Gold 100. I see your true colors shining through. I see your true colors. That's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them show your true colors. Kodakolor Gold 100 film. No print film anywhere gives you truer, more accurate, more realistic color. That was an ad from 1990 for Kodak Kodakolor Gold 100, part of a new film family introduced in 1986 to fix the very problem at the center of this episode. It was hailed by Kodak executives as being their first film with a broadened dynamic range. In their own words, it was able to accurately photograph, quote, the details of a dark horse in low light. Of course, from 1935 onward, very few people bought color film to take photos of horses, but rather pictures of things and people. As soon as color film debuted, those developing photos, which at the time was primarily Eastman Kodak, needed to be sure that their colors were accurate. To help with that task, Kodak began to create and distribute color test charts called Shirley cards. Named after the first woman to model for one, an employee of Eastman Kodak, the Shirley cards came in many different iterations, though throughout the decades of new cards there remained one constant. The model on the card itself was to be a smiling white woman, eyes wide open in vibrantly colored clothing. By this point, I think you may be able to connect the dots and see where the problem lies. Eastman Kodak technology was tailored for its primary consumer, white middle-class Americans. Their Kodachrome film? It couldn't accurately capture non-white skin tones. But why? To answer that question, we have to talk about photographic dynamic range and how color photography works. Color photography contains extremely different technology than that seen in black and white, or monochrome, photography. Photosensitive chemicals record color information into three channels as soon as the film is exposed to light. Red, green, and blue. The same channels through which the human eye perceives color. At the time of development, 
the photographs undergo what's called the subtractive color process, where the difference between the exposure information and white light is removed using three neutralizing colors, cyan for red, magenta for green, and yellow for blue. After subtractive coloring, the only thing left is the pigment information from the original exposure, a color photograph. But just addressing the color process would leave out the main cause of this problem, dynamic range. Dynamic range is the difference between the lightest and darkest tones in a given photo. In most cases, the dynamic range falls between absolute white and absolute black. Dynamic range is quantified in a term known as stops. An increase of one stop equates to a doubling of the brightness level in a given photo. Our eyes can register a range of 20 stops, meaning that the top of the dynamic range is one million times brighter than the bottom. The maximum of dynamic range for most modern digital cameras is just under 15 stops, with a range of 13 stops for film negatives. But from when color film first entered the market up until the 1970s, it had a far more limited range that was skewed towards white and reflective surfaces. Since the primary purchasers of cameras and film were Caucasian, their manufacturers and developers didn't feel obligated to create a better product. As years passed, pushback began to grow against this type of film. One of the more notable examples being in 1977, when Swiss-French filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard refused to use Kodak film on an assignment in Mozambique on the grounds that the film was inherently racist. Kodachrome's race problem was becoming more and more visible, but the ultimate push, the one that moved Kodak to develop Kodacolor Gold, the revolutionary new film that could accurately capture the details of a dark horse in low light, came from an unlikely source. Furniture Makers Beginning in the mid to late 1970s, wooden furniture manufacturers began to lodge complaints with Kodak that in ads produced with Kodachrome photos, it was impossible for potential customers to discern light grain wood from dark grain wood. The furniture makers were soon joined by the chocolatiers, who had the same complaint as well. With Kodachrome film, you couldn't tell the difference between milk and dark chocolate. These complaints, coupled with the increasing diversification of television and film during the 1970s, meant that Kodak could no longer play dumb to the issues with their products. It took until 1986 for Kodak to introduce Kodacolor Gold to the market, but their color development processes remained the same. The Shirley cards would not change until 1995, over half a century since their introduction, with the creation of the first multiracial color test chart, featuring Asian, African, and Caucasian women, smiling, eyes wide open, in brightly colored dresses. Though this podcast is about history, smaller dynamic ranges in many of today's cameras, such as the one in your laptop, means that this problem still exists today. It was only in 2009 that Hewlett-Packard released a line of face-tracking laptop cameras that didn't seem to recognize black people. I hope that this week's episode has taught you a little something about both photography and business ethics. After our hiatus, we're back on our second season and have a great lineup of shows coming to you in the following weeks. Want to catch up on past episodes? Just head to soundcloud.com slash hiddenhistoryshow 
where you can find an archive of all of our previous episodes, overflowing with things you didn't know you didn't know. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.